Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday edition of the Rebel Report. Um, Hope you had a good Easter weekend. A lot to get to. Ole Miss baseball loses a series at Auburn. The women's golf team won a SEC title in pretty thrilling fashion in the finals. And the match play had some NBA playoffs, some NHL, among some other things. Um, Colin, did you have a good Easter weekend? I did. I did. I went back home and saw some family. What about yourself? Did you get to go back home? I did. It's like the first time in a couple of years there hasn't been a baseball series to work. Um, so I, I didn't make the trip to Auburn. So I got to go home for like three days, played some golf with my dad and brothers, hung out. It was good. Um, it was fun. Um, pretty good weather most of the days, too. You had some really, really bad storms on, I guess it was Thursday, because we our Thursday radio show pretty much just turned into like, an, like a weather like alert yeah, thing. Yeah, I listened to some of that, yeah. Yeah, we, it, was, it, it got pretty serious in Jackson. We hope everybody's ended up okay but yeah so a good weekend um i enjoyed it it got to get outside for a while went to a crawfish bowl did some different things but so Ole miss played a baseball series over the weekend they dropped two of three at auburn they lost to a midweek starter on friday night with will etheridge on the mound then proceeded to beat tanner burns um auburn's ace on saturday and then lost the series finale in what was a pretty close game just kind of a tough game i thought both teams played well in that one but um, you know, I don't know. There's just so many moving parts to this team. It seems like one step forward or one step forward and two steps back. And uh, you kind of mo- left out the most most important description of of the Thursday night starter, left-handed midweek starter. Yeah, and like that's the I mean, literally the only reason that he was in that position is because he throws with his left arm. Um, Ole Miss actually got yeah, to him though. They got up yeah, they got one nothing early. Did okay. Uh, Will Etheridge did not have a very good outing, and that really cost them the rest of the series. Because I mean, if you lose on Friday night with your ace going against a midweek guy, and then them throwing their ace on Saturday, you're set up in a pretty bad situation. Yeah, but then you overcome it, and you know, and you went on Friday night. And look, I, I just everybody has an opinion and whatever. I thought sometimes sometimes you just lose a baseball game, and that's kind of what happened to me on Saturday. It wasn't. Wasn't anybody really to blame you. Sometimes you just get beat. But the, the game yeah, that you look at is Thursday night when Will Ethers didn't have his best stuff. He wasn't able to get out of the yeah, – I don't think he was able to get out in sixth inning. And then almost his offense just sputtered late in the game against a freshman that had been kind of been kind of touched up in SEC play and uh, almost really couldn't do anything against him. It's just – I don't know. You know, there's not a ton – you know, there, there's not much shame in losing a, a baseball series at Auburn, but you know, coming out of the hills of the uh, the dropping two against Kentucky, it just kind of you know compounds everything. Well, yeah, and it's the way they lost it too. You lose to a midweek starter who really didn't have any business being in that position. They didn't they lose to him; they got him out of the game. But you, yeah, they lost to the kid that, that had the ADRA and SEC play that shut him down for four innings. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, but it's it's the optics though of your you you kind of lose. I mean, you give your ace a four to one lead and you can't you can't sustain it. Can't hold it. Um, yeah. but yeah, so they the so so Wade didn't last very long. They brought Fitz in, and to your point, he throws four and a third innings, uh, scatters four hits, shut out baseball. That was really kind of where the game turned because Ole Miss gets up four to one with a three one second inning, chases the guy, chases 
Wade in the third, and then Auburn just kind of slowly chips away, and they scored. I mean, they got two back in the third, scored two in the sixth, and scored one in the seventh and eighth. Just Ole Miss was not good, and Tyler Myers was not good behind Will Etheridge. No, uh, he wasn't, and you know you kind of wonder if, if there's some fatigue kind of setting in there uh, or, or what it is. But you know it, it just kind of is what it is with this team right now. They they struggle against left-handed pitching. I kind of reared its head over the weekend. Uh, especially on Sunday, but on Thursday, it, the the fifth kid just shut them down. And and when that happens, look, Ole Miss has got to take advantage of right-handed pitchers. They can't they can't let a right-handed pitcher come in and release and throw a four and a third scoreless. Um, so you know between that and Will Etheridge having probably his worst outing of the season, it's just kind of compounded. If you look up, you're down 0-1 facing Tanner Burns on Friday. Yeah, and it's just I don't like it's. It's there's so many moving parts of this team because they have zero bullpen depth. Then one of the arms that they thought kind of had they they were reliable. Tyler Myers was very bad. And I there's think just, they found something in Max Trophy though. Yeah, but there's just it's it's one thing after another. Like they they, I mean they have zero depth in the bullpen. You know, and then the you know the, you kind of catch a break with the midweek guy going on Friday, even though they've had you know well documented struggles against left-handers and Etheridge sputters. It, it, it didn't pitch well, and so there's just there's so many moving parts to see. They just can't really figure it out. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But look, I mean, it. I just kind of thought they lost a baseball series. It, it you know, the, the, I don't really think there's much more to it than that. Sometimes you play three games and you play on the road, and the the team at home wins two games. I think there's you know, if you want to get into deep seated issues, look, it's it's the left handed pitching. But you kind of just I don't think Ole Miss necessarily played badly as as a as a total unit. Over there at Auburn, I think just sometimes you show up over there and get beat. Yeah, but it highlighted they don't have any margin for error because they, they have don't. so limited bullpen options. Their Sunday situation is an abject disaster. Like, so if you don't get two really good outings from from Etheridge and Nikhazy, they're they're screwed. Well, you know, you say that, and I'm going to push back a little bit here because did you really get two great outings from Etheridge and Nikhazy this weekend? And then you you're in the tenth inning, three outs away from a victory. So I, I mean it's. I don't know. It, it to me, it's just kind of for some reason, it's just not happening for this team right now compared to last year when you know it just kind of happened for them. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, it, it, look, there's 12 games going forward. This team last year was 10 and eight, but I mean, you, you, you'd be uh, much different 10 and eight. Yeah, I was gonna say you'd be disingenuous to say that you know it was the same. Well, and it, really, the thing that's that's kind of you kind of look at this team and you, you kind of scoff at it. It's not really the SEC record. It's just how they didn't really perform in non-conference. Because if they perform in non-conference, this this league record is not a big deal. But with the struggles they had in non-conference, it's just kind of you know compounded everything. Well, yeah, it's that, and it's who they're losing to in conference play. Like Missouri looks a bit more formidable than I think people gave it credit for, but they didn't take advantage by. And it's hard to sweep in this league. You can't really knock them for this, but you know they didn't. They didn't sweep Alabama. Everybody else sweeps Alabama. What'd you say? I said no. You can knock them for not sweeping Alabama because everybody not everybody sweeps Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. And so they didn't sweep Alabama. They dropped two of three to an awful Kentucky team. I mean, it's 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 a bad team with with the first round pick. So weird deal there. And then you know, I mean, Auburn's been ravaged by injuries, particularly on the pitching staff. Like it was a series you thought you had to get to, and with what's left, like not very good optics. No, it's not. And but I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it, this team, to me, is just kind of—it's inconsistent. They'll show up one weekend and not the next. So you look up next week and they take two or three from A and M. I'm really not shocked at all. 
Um, and I think it's a little bit of a bad matchup because the left-handers A&M throws, but for outside of one weekend, Ole Miss plays pretty well at home. So it, this, this team just has no consistency to them in, in really any facet of the game, honestly. Yeah, so I've, I've tried to figure out the best way to go about this because this team is so inexplicable. So I guess what we'll do here is we'll go the good and the bad from the series because it feels like every weekend it's like they finally figure one part out and then something else malfunctions or something right. else kind of leaks. So I guess I'll start off. Greg Kessinger, um, he's on a different planet hitting the ball. Yeah, and they got Tyler Keenan going. Yeah, so Kessinger will go one and one, and then yours is what? Keenan? Keenan got going. You know, he, he had some really good at-bats this weekend. What, he had a six, seven-hit weekend? Yeah, it was it was impressive. He, he really helped himself this weekend. Um, The bad? But, we'd be remiss to, to not mention that Ron Olenek didn't play this weekend, and, and I do think that was a, a little bit bigger than of a deal than I anticipated. Well, on the flip side of that, Josh Hall played pretty well. He did. He did. He played fine. But It's I not mean, that Ron you want Olenek out, but, I mean, if you talk about, like, like with, with them not getting – with them getting very little to nothing out of certain spots in the order, like looking at Chase Cockrell, looking at Tim Elko, like, I, I mean, he seems to at least be an option. Sure, I guess. But, I mean, to be fair, neither Elko and, uh, did Elko and Cockrell play this weekend, like at all? Um, I don't, I don't believe so. I don't recall, because Adams started every game at second base. Yes, Elko and Cockrell did not play. Unless they got a pinch hit opportunity, I'm forgetting about. I don't think so. Could be wrong about that, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, uh, Cockrell had a pinch hit in the op- Cockrell had a pinch hit in the Sunday loss. Uh, how about that? I think Josh Hall will be a fine player for this program over the next three years. Yeah, and so I guess the the bad would start with well, one Etheridge walked five guys, didn't make it to the sixth inning. Not a horrible outing, but you want more out of an ace, particularly when you're going up a midweek guy. Yeah. Um, Thomas Dillard one for eleven. That can't happen. Yeah, and I mean, so what is what is he what is he sitting at OPS and in, in average wise in conference? Yeah, at the end of all this, uh, I think it was like two eighty seven ninety seven, but he came into the weekend at like three hundred three and nine hundred, and you know he was he was hitting really well in SEC play going into the weekend, and now you look at it, and it's pretty mediocre numbers. Um, Another bad thing is the inefficiency of putting Zabowski, who's your best hitter, behind Greg Kester in the sixth hole three game, or two games this weekend. Does it make a ton of sense? Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, I'm trying to think if I had anything else. I guess, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier Maxwell Chofi three and a third. Score, scoreless innings, what he faced, he didn't allow a hit and faced one over the minimum. Did he, I can't remember, did he hit a guy? Yeah, I think he hit a guy. I think he hit a guy with a one-two curveball. So that could end up being important for them because... I've decided he needs to be the Sunday starter. If Myers is kind of regressing to the mean, I know Chofu was bad against North Alabama. I don't buy a whole whole lot into that. He's been really good in SEC play, and Gunnar Hogland is not it. There has to be somebody else. So it either has to be Max Chofu or Zach Phillips on Sunday from now on. Yeah, so we jumped the gun a little bit. So I was the, my next the next thing I had written down for bad was Hoagland goes two and two thirds. They're getting absolutely no length out of their Sunday starter. At, he retired the first eight in a row. This, this this thing with him and guys on base, it's it's no longer a coincidence. He is terrible when guys reach base, and he is dominant when they're not on base. It makes no sense. Yeah, and I'm not even necessarily sure like what that is. Like, is I mean, it? Do you lose Velo out of the stretch? I have no clue. 
So they got to figure something out there because they can't continue. Look, I, I I get that like there are many teams in this league where Sunday, um, where Sunday really isn't like a perfect situation. There, honestly, if you have a perfect situation on Sunday, you're probably in a top top tier elite team. Like I'm kind of thinking of like state. Like Plumlee's given them a chance most of the time on Sunday. Been pretty good. They're going to get on Sundays now. Yeah. So, but point being, like your third guy. Like yeah. the third guy in the rotation, but so, but Ole Miss is getting nothing, like literally next to nothing. And you mentioned he retires the first eight, and then it just goes completely south. So they've got to figure something out there because, like, it, it's gotten to the point where, I mean, what are they in finales this year? Oh, oof. um, three right. and three. Right, well, they, well, we're not going to count Wright State because they didn't play one. Uh, they beat. Oh, I'm thinking. Land. I'm thinking SEC series. Oh, you're thinking SEC series. Okay, they beat Alabama. Lost to Missouri, uh, beat Arkansas, beat Florida. So three and one, three, they're three and three, which isn't good enough. Yeah. So, I guess big picture, they're sitting at ten and eight, but it's an awfully odd feeling ten and eight. And I think that's because the best teams on their schedule, like they really, other than Arkansas, there hasn't been anybody on their schedule that's really been worth anything. I mean, no, Auburn is good. No, 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 Auburn's good. I disagree with that. I mean, you're gonna look up and they're Auburn's gonna be fifth in the West, sixth in the West. They're ten at now. They're fourth. I mean, they're tied with Ole Miss and State at ten and eight. I'm talking about at the end of the year, though. Like, you really think Auburn has staying power in the West? No, but well, I mean, partly because their next two series are Georgia and Vanderbilt, so that's going to hurt them. Um, but I mean, I don't think Auburn's. I think they're a fifteen and fifteen regional team. I'm not going to say they're bad. Oh, I think Auburn would be pushing. I think that'd be closer 14, 16, 13, 17, and they'll really be sweating it. But could be wrong. So Ole Miss sits tied for fourth, as you mentioned. With State at 10-8. and eight. What State got swept at Arkansas oh, over the Arkansas. weekend. Yeah, um, I mean, just kind of on college baseball a little bit. That one, that, that State thing kind of fall off the rails a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Arkansas is a tough place to go play. Ole Miss has had success there the last couple of times they've been there, but that's tough. I mean, you can't get – obviously the cliche in this league, you obviously not get swept, but that that's tough. I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on them. Yeah, they're, what, 32-9? and nine? I don't, they are. They haven't lost a midweek game yet. Like they're, they're gonna hang around. And they then need to lose a midweek game because Ole Miss needs that one on Tuesday. Yeah, Ole Miss does because we, as we talked about before, the kind of the margin for error, the the twenty and six mark. Ole Miss is already at six losses. Can't really afford to lose anymore. All they have, they got this left: a, a Southern Miss, and then at Jonesboro, yep, uh, Arkansas right. State to end the year. So. Ole Miss is now sitting at ten and eight. They welcome A and M double decker. So A and M's in second place, eleven six and one. And LSU through all of those injuries is at eleven and seven still. Yeah, which is you know they were trying to fire. You know LSU got popped on Thursday, and everybody decided they were going to fire Maneri, and uh, they came back and won the last two. Yeah, another tough one for Florida. I just I don't think they're good. They're not good. They are not good. Which makes no sense. Yeah, I would have, it's going to be hard to imagine a world, and I'm not saying this is necessarily going to happen, but there's a puncher's chance that Tennessee and Missouri finish above Florida this year in the Ooh, East. Oh, I think that's yeah, I think that's possible. Oh yeah, I know it definitely is. That's what I'm saying. Like, but who would have? Would you have called that one in February? No, no, because I mean, you look at Florida, and you're like, oh, they're young. They're always young. They'll figure it out. They just kind of haven't figured it out from whatever. Well, they can't hit uh, past probably the top four, and then they really can't pitch. Yeah, so kind of putting a bow, I guess, on baseball is, I mean, if you had to rank the three most pressing issues on this team right now, it's what? In order. I mean, one is, is the inability to hit left-handed pitching. I mean, I, I think that's – because, look, this – But how do you – like, I, I get putting that number one, but, like, 
like in some ways I feel weird putting that up there because it's not like there's not really a fix for it. No, there's not, but I mean it's an issue. It's like I mean if you can't run the football in the SEC, I mean it's an issue. You're not going to be able to fix it, but it's an issue. Um, you know, because because the thing with this team is, you look at it and they're they're pitching it really a lot better than they did last year. I mean they've got a 3.7 ERA right now in SEC play. Uh, last year's team at this point had like a four five. I mean it's they're 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 getting a lot better pitching than they were last year. Had you told me this team was going to pitch it better and Cooper Johnson was going to be an extremely good player on offense, I, I don't know how I would have felt if you told me this team was going to be 10-8. and Because I, I, I would think this team would be competing to win the SEC if you told me that before the year. Um, well, the thing yeah, is, you're 10-8, like, and eight, you're still in position to do that, but it's an entirely different feel because of the way it's looked. Yeah. yeah it, 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 there's nothing that says this team can't get hot and, and go 7-5 and five down the stretch. I think they're a really good matchup with LSU. Look, I mean, you get State and Mississippi, you get State and A&M at home. I mean, you should win home series, you know, kind of just to put it frankly. You shouldn't lose series at home. Um, So Devil's advocate to that, though, would be what have they shown this year that would suggest they would, though? Um, I mean, that's a fair question. But I mean, mean, it's it's really the only thing you're having to point to at this point is the series at Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, but if they play like that for four weekends in a row, they'll look up be 17 and 15. Do I expect that? No, I don't. I think this team's a 15 and 15 to 16 and 14 team and a two seed somewhere. So you've gone off the hosting train. You were, you were. I thought, I mean, because I, well, I thought they were going to win this weekend. Um, I thought they would take two this weekend and, you know, they didn't. So it's kind of, they're probably, look, this team's probably a game back from where they need to be. Uh, they probably need to be 11 and seven instead of 10 and eight. So, I mean, you're going to have to make up a game to me either. I mean, you're going to have to make up a game against either LSU and Baton Rouge where you win a series, or you're going to have to sweep A&M and State or State, or you're going to have to win a series in Tennessee, which is looking harder and harder by the day. Yeah, because Tennessee pitches it so well. I'm not sure necessarily they can score runs, but they pitch it pretty well. A&M's not necessarily a great matchup for Ole Miss with two left-handers. Yeah, well, then they've got a, they got the flexibility enough to throw three. Yeah, that that would seem suboptimal for Ole Miss. So, so we got off a little bit though. So one is left-handed pitching. Two yeah. in terms of pressing issues, I will probably go Sunday. Like they got to figure something out just to have a guy get them to the fifth. And like whether it's Trophy, like you said, whether it's I mean a couple weeks ago I was kind of saying Tyler Myers. I don't really know what that looks like now. Um, I still think that could work though. I mean I think either one of those guys is giving you more than Hoagland's going to or. I mean, would it? I mean, it's a it's a bold play, but do you go back to Zach Phillips? I, I I know, like, I mean, the leash obviously would still be pretty short there, but he's looking like mechanics wise, he's actually kind of worked through some things. It's a situation where I think you do, but I, I don't think you can do it this week because it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and and Phillips frankly has to go Tuesday and he has to pitch well, um, so you can't really bring him back on three days rest on Saturday. So I think he's an option after this week. Um, and so, but I don't know what you do this week. But it can't be Hoagland. They they cannot trot that kid out there on Saturday if you're Mike Bianco again. I think they might. <sighs> that would be that would be uh, coaching malpractice if they did. Well, it's I think it's going to turn into again one of those situations where it, I think they're going to announce TBA. I think they're going to see what the state of the bullpen looks like after the first two games and go from there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, but, I mean that's only- either that's either trophy or or. Or Myers, right? Like, you're not running Roth out there again. No, you're not running Roth out there before Hoagland, I wouldn't think. But I don't really know. I mean, Roth's 
I think Ross has been better than Hoagland. Um, I don't know. I just don't think it's probably fair to the kid at this point to keep running him out there um, and, and letting him get, get beat around like he has. So third, I guess we can cut it at three unless you got four, but I would say third is – Probably bullpen depth. I mean, they're they're working with literally three options, four well, maybe if Chofi kind of comes around. Okay, and I get what you're saying, but how many did they really work with last year? How many guys did you really trust in that pen in the regional to get out last year? Well, are you talking regional? Or are you talking over the course of the season? Because they had okay, a lot. Of the of the I mean, did you trust Will Stokes last year to get out? Because I mean, I didn't. He wasn't a guy that, that stunned me as a guy that could get out last year. There were points uh, at it, yes, though. Like, he pitched well in spots. But, see, that's the I thing. Guess. They've been a three-horse, kind of a three, three-headed three monster in the pen for, like, six weeks now. True. I mean, it's. I think you're going to have to. And, and I've, I've criticized Mike a lot, but if you if you had told me before the year that He's not going to. Look, you're not going to get anything out of Greer Holston. You're going to get almost nothing out of Jordan Fowler. Caleb Hill is not going to develop into a point where you could use him yet. And Houston Ross is going to still be hurt in April because I still believe he's not. He's not all the way healthy. Um, and you're you're not going to really get anything out of him. I, I don't know how this team would have won 13 games. And it looks like this team's probably going to win 15 to 16. So he's done a fairly good job managing just this pitching staff from a uh, from an arm standpoint, but. It's not that you're you're right in saying that they trust about three or four guys right now. And oh, it's three, that, and if Trophy comes, it's four. I mean, there's. I mean, I. I mean, I hate to like make I it that bluntly. Max, right now, though. Okay, so I'll I'll give you four, but yeah. before about a week, I mean, before literally ten days ago, it's three. Yeah, and I tell you, I think this is about to happen too, and I don't really know how you do it. I think Ryan Olenek's about to have to throw big innings for this team. He was getting loose on Saturday. Um, and I think they like his stuff well enough that he's about to throw big innings for this team. Cause it's they 91 like- with a decent changeup and a break in a pretty decent breaking ball. I don't really see. I mean, I, I love the famous quote he gave after he, he, he pitched the first time where someone asked him if this was just a midweek experiment. And he was like, I mean, you saw that. Why are you using that only on the midweek? But he's kind of right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have to, cause I think Ron Olenek can get out to this league. Um, so I think he's a guy that's just going to have to pitch pretty big innings for Ole Miss because I think he was the guy coming in. I know this for a fact. He Obviously, he was getting loose in the pit. He was coming in if there was an 11th inning, um, which is kind of crazy considering how he couldn't walk. But, you know, I, I think they're going to have to try him because I feel like they've kind of given up on everybody else, don't you? I thought I may be wrong. Yeah, I mean, they they need Roth and Trophy to be good. That would kind of take this team's ceiling and raise it a level, I think. Um, and the fact that it hasn't happened, I think, is kind of lowered is what has caused expectations and really just results to be lowered more so than anything. Because I mean, like, like you said, you you think two seed now somewhere somewhere else, and I, I would agree with that. But I don't think you would have thought that in February, and I think it's largely because of that. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. As as bad as Mike gets beat up for some things, as far as like you know pitching decisions and lineup constructions last, and we've talked about this before, but last May. Jordan Fowler, Gur Holston, that's two weekend guys or a weekend guy and probably your top innings eater, and they can't make the travel roster. Yeah, I don't think – I think Fowler wasn't even in Auburn this weekend. Because I, I don't – yeah, I don't remember him seeing in the bull, in the uh, dugout at all. So, yeah, I mean, you're just getting nothing. And, and it's really what's kind of worrisome is you don't really if, – if Phillips is going to the midweeks, you don't really have a guy that can 
that you can bring in against left-handed hitters um, and, and, you know, be a left-handed specialist for a few outs. And, and that's kind of worrisome going forward. So, yeah, I mean, the, the bullpen depth is definitely because I don't really – like, the bullpen numbers are fine. Um, they're, they're frankly better than they were last year. But in saying that, you have to worry about what they're going to look like in three weeks when you kind of run those guys out there as much as you probably had to. Yeah, so lineup-wise, anything that concerns you other than Dillard not necessarily producing at the level that they're going to need him to produce to be sufficient? Uh, I mean, I don't understand why Anthony Servillo led off against two left-handed pitchers. Um, I thought he actually had some better at-bats, but I, the, the, him leading off against left-handed pitching was not... Well, uh, to be so, fair, if he, he's not leading off if Olenek's healthy. Well, no, he's not, but I mean, there's still other options to lead off besides, besides him. Um you know, but other than that, no, I think Keenan played really well. Greg Kester's on fire. Cole Zabowski continues to swing for power, which is good. Um, Cooper Johnson is probably the most valuable player on the team right now. I would say oh. yes. Yeah, I, I think. Okay. Right, I, the I, two, I, I said before the season, I think I wrote this somewhere, or at least like documented on a podcast, the two most important guys for them, in, in terms of like, if you looked at two guys and looked at their numbers and like, where is this team? It's Cooper Johnson and Houston Roth, and I still kind of stand by that, even though it hasn't turned out that way. Is I had this debate somebody uh, with somebody yesterday? Is Cooper Johnson having a better season than Nick Fortes had last year? When you factor in defense and offense, depends on how much you weigh defense, but there's certainly an argument for that. I, I think you, I think they're better at the catcher position this year. Than they were last year. Well, look, obviously Fortes is a much better hitter, but Cooper Johnson just kind of really changed the defense from a defensive perspective. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. So that was 25 minutes on baseball. That was that was about five or ten more minutes than I thought we were going to go, but that was good. It was a weekend where I caught most of the games on television. I I I, I, I considered going. I just didn't. I don't know. I kind of wanted to go home, see the family for a bit. I I just. I'll be there pretty much everywhere the rest of the way. I'll probably do. I'm definitely doing LSU. Obviously, the two home series, and I'll go to Knoxville if they have something on the line. I have. I, so, I mean, just all right. All right, let's do this before we wrap. If you had gun to your head right now, what's their final SEC record? Sixteen and fourteen. Sixteen and fourteen. That's not out of the realm of possibility that they host. Um, you have to get above fifteen and fifteen. But I think I agree with you. I think I'm going sixteen and fourteen. They. And I've got them. I got them weirdly. I have them losing to A and M and to Tennessee, and then I have a winning series against State and LSU because that's probably what the team will do. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't necessarily disagree because if there's every year for Ole Miss to go down there and break the streak of 1983 or whatever, and not winning a series in Baton Rouge, I, I would probably agree with that. Um, so yeah, that kind of puts a bow on it. Ole Miss will be back at it Tuesday against Pearl I and mean, against against Pearl against Mississippi State. <laughs> they might win that. Yeah, against unless Pearl threw a left-hander, but um, against Mississippi State in Trustmark Park in Pearl, I'll be there. We'll have coverage at supertalk.fm, then obviously through the weekend, short turnaround. Um, transitioning to a story that really kind of arose, I say it arose Sunday morning. Um, I kind of started watching Sunday morning. The Ole Miss women's golf team won an SEC title in pretty pretty wild fashion. Um they made it to the championship. They beat South Carolina. Explain to me how it worked. Did they play two matches today? Yes. So basically the way it works is you play – It's once it gets to a – and I don't have this off the top of my – hold on. Let me make sure I have this right because – so it's stroke play, I believe, 
Yes. So the way it works is it's three days of stroke play, and the top eight schools in stroke play as a team play in a bracket-style match play tournament. Okay. Um, And so that's kind of how it works. And Ole Miss, I believe, Ole Miss was the last team in. the. So, the eighth, so, right. so they finished eighth. And they knocked off Florida three. So you obviously you play five matches. They knocked off Florida in the quarterfinals, beat Georgia in the semifinals, which I believe was Sunday morning. And then they obviously beat South Carolina. Um, and it may have been Saturday. I, don't, I so they beat South Carolina, and they what they beat South Carolina three and two. Um, and it was pretty wild fashion. So you, you Ole Miss wins the first like the first two matches that finish Ole Miss wins. South Carolina wins the third, and you have two matches um, for Ole Miss. It's Connor Beth Ball, and then um, for and then it's Macy Somrosky, I believe is how you say it. Yeah. And she made a so there that match. She's one down going into eighteen and makes about a fifty foot bomb to extend the match. I don't know if you saw the video of that. I did out of the bunker. Uh, no, no, she was it was a putt, but she was about fifty feet, and it was a, just kind of a double breaking snake. Um, <laughs> And, like, in match play, that's really about as good a feeling as you can have. Like, either you make a long putt to end a match or win a hole, or you kind of bomb one you're not supposed to make to extend the match. She makes one from 50 feet to send that match into extra holes, which was needed because Connor Beth Ball lost the 18th. Her match was all square. They were one group behind. She lost on the 18th hole. Girl from South Carolina made birdie. Um, made a nice putt from about 8 feet to cap it off. And so now it is... It's kind of down to this match. It's on the 19th hole, and it goes 22 holes, and some uh, some Roski ends up winning, clinches it for Ole Miss. Um, but pretty wild, like the way all that ended. She played 62 holes of golf, I believe, in two days, which is a lot. Um, had a couple of matches, go to extra hole, made some big putts. But that's a program that's really come a long way. Um, yeah, I was just say, they haven't been good in a long time. Like, no. Got there right, and they made the NCAA championships, I believe, for the first time in program history last year. That was the first, or NCAA championships, I should say. That was the first right. SEC title in school history. Um, so that's, and it's a young team too. It's a couple sophomores, a couple freshmen, and I think a junior. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I was really entertaining television. I flipped it on right after church. Um, I played high school golf with Connor Beth. Um, and so I kind of wanted to see how she finished up. Obviously kind of wanted to watch the whole thing. It was really cool to see. They played really well. Good for them. It's a really cool story. I mean, they knocked down the number one seed, Florida, then beat Georgia, and then beat South Carolina as an eight seed to take the title. That's uh, that, that pretty impressive. Play. That will play. <laughs> how is the, you know, just kind of get, get off the tracks here, how's the men's team done this year without Thornberry? Struggled a little bit, but, you know, when you lose the best player in program history, probably, yeah. probably understandable. But they have some – they have some. They have some nice pieces, and I. Can they make the tournament. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, honestly. Um, so Samoski sneak us, uh, you know, drains the putt, wins it in twenty-two holes. That's a pretty wild story. Um, so good for them. Congrats to the women's golf team. Um, they they've done a really good job with that program the last couple of years. Um, this has had some real good success in kind of the Olympic sports. The, the, you know, outside of the big three or four. Um, you know, from softball to, to men's tennis and, and women's golf and men's golf, they've had some really. It, it kind of gets overshadowed at times. They've really had some cool moments in those sports as of late. Yeah, how much uh, did you watch any NBA or NHL over the weekend? I caught as much of playoffs as I could. Um, All right, let's see. I don't think. Okay, I watched. 
No, I, I didn't watch any NBA. I'm trying to think if I caught any, and I don't think I've watched the dribble. So basically what's happened is everything's kind of taken shape like you thought it would. Like Houston's up 3-0 on Utah. That series I just is... watched that. I watched the end of that. That's what I watched. So that series is over. Um, Golden State won both games in Los Angeles. That series is 3-1. It is over. Boston swept Indiana on Sunday. That series is literally over. Um, And then as of this recording, the Magic and Raptors are playing. That series is more than likely over. As of last check, yeah, and they took the Raptors won Game Three and took home quarterback. Obviously, that was Orlando was never going to win that series. But you're setting up for. I don't remember the last time you're going to have all four series in the second round be as compelling. So as we're, all right, we're getting we're getting Warriors Rockets and then which is basically the conference finals. Then you're going to get. So I actually don't know what you're going to get because Portland is up two to one. And they play game four later Sunday night after, obviously, we've recorded this. Um, and just, uh, is Oklahoma City going to win that game? Um, I don't know. I don't. I have so much trouble prognosticating them because I don't really know what to make of them. But if they don't, I mean, it's their season's more than likely over. Because um, I imagine Portland will finish that off in five in Portland. Yeah. And now, these, are they 2-2-1-1-1? Two, two, one, one, one? Yeah. Uh. Yes. It's two two one one one. They did away with the two three. The two three two was only in the finals, and they actually did away with that a couple of years ago. Okay. Um. And then the really the only the this, the two series that are in doubt are the two series that would face up in the Western Conference semis. That would be, um, San Antonio and Denver's two two. Denver needed, I don't want to say a miracle, but they really had to play a a. a a remarkable second half. I think they outscored the Spurs by 14 in the second half to take that series. I had to take that game, excuse me, not that series up 2-2. They got home court back. But for a while there, it was looking like the Spurs were going to go up 3-1 and kind of end Denver. I don't necessarily believe in Denver. It's a bunch of role players around Nikola Jokic who you're not really going to to get shots at the end of games. So what's wild, the wildest part about this is, one, you're going to have really compelling second-round matchups. And you're literally going to have, you're going to have Boston-Milwaukee you're gonna to have Toronto, Philly. Like, could you pick off? Like, could you pick confidently either one of those? I, no. I don't think I could. Um, you, you think? You think is Philly, Philly's a three-one? Is that right? Oh yeah, that series is over. They won both games in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, so you're gonna have. Yeah, I don't think I could pick either one of those right now. Um, they hate each other. And then you're on the other side. You're going to have either Denver uh, and San Antonio or like I think it's going to be Denver Portland I, I don't yeah, believe in the Thunder I don't think the Spurs have good enough players but point being one of those four teams is going to the conference finals and I think it's going to be Portland so you're going to get Portland and either the Rockets or the Warriors yes and that's going to be a, I mean that's basically the conference finals because either well, one of those teams and, is, and, and I get what you're saying but they're going to beat each other to death over six or seven games You, they might get, get taken advantage of it Portland, somebody wins that series in four or five games. You could be right, but I, I just don't see it. Portland without Nurkic, I don't see it. I, I think I, I think they're I think they're too good. I, I I think both Houston and Golden State are too good. I think that's a prelude to who's going to not only get to the title series but win it. I, I think whoever wins that series is probably winning it. I think it's going to so be Golden don't State. Believe in Milwaukee at all. It's not that I don't believe in them, but I, I just think those two teams in the West are that much better. I actually like Milwaukee. People are kind of – I say people. like you, I've seen pundits and talk show hosts kind of crap on them for kind of being the team that tries hard in the regular season. I think they're legitimately good. It's Giannis playing around a bunch of shooters 
Um, I think they're good. I, I think they might. I can't decide if I'm, I'm going to pick them to come out of the East because Boston has looked better, and then Philly probably has the most talent. And th- I don't know who's coming out of the East, I guess is my point. I have no idea. If any of those four teams came out of the East uh, from Toronto, Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee, wouldn't shock me either way. I hope it's Milwaukee because I'd like the world to see how good Giannis is. Well, this is what it kind of feels like. This kind of feels like his playoff ascension where he's going to kind of like like obviously everyone that kind of watches the NBA already knows how dominant that guy is, but people like there's a sector I would say of the country that probably doesn't know because it's very casual, like the N- very casual NBA sector, and it's like right. like this feels like his coming out party in terms of like this is going to be his league for the next five to seven years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's he's probably. I mean, he's a top three player in basketball right now. I would argue he's probably the best player in basketball right now. I'd go top two for sure. I think it's he and Durant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you can do whatever you want there. Uh, it's he, Durant. Like, it's probably him, Durant, Harden, Embiid. Davis? Kawhi. No, I don't. See, I don't, Anthony Davis wasted a year of his prime by being sabotaged by Rich Paul and his own organization. I just can't. I don't know if I can give credence to that. Obviously, like he's definitely a top five talent, but I don't know. Like, are you really building around that guy going forward? I don't think so. I'd probably rather have you. I, I don't know. I think I'd rather have all four of those guys in front of him. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, it's, it's going to be kind of you know these these have been kind of the first round's been kind of mundane. It kind of usually always is, but it's it's going to start getting real here probably in about a week or so. Yeah, the second round is going to be fascinating because, like, I, obviously, I think Golden State's going to win. I have no idea who will win. I think Portland would beat Denver if it came to that. I think that's what it's going to end up being. But the two in the East, I have no idea. I, I, I am here. Look, I don't think it's going to happen, but I am here for an OKC Golden State uh, conference finals. Yeah, that would be awesome. That really would because that's a Oklahoma like Oklahoma City. I don't know how much of a chance they would necessarily have, but like they wouldn't be a, like they wouldn't be intimidated by the moment. Like that would be kind of a Russ Westbrook. This is my chance to get back at Durant before he leaves. It'd be kind of one last return to Oklahoma City before Kevin Durant presumably goes east to New York. Um, I like how that's done. Like like it's just. Oh, I mean, he's moved all of his business operations there. I know. He's going to New York. I just like how it's already been done. But is he going to go – so everyone thinks the Knicks are a done deal. Why would you not go to Brooklyn? That's fair. It's a better run franchise with younger – like him and D'Angelo Russell, you wouldn't even have to add a second max contract in free agency. I think you could kind of work around that. Yeah, I know. I'm with you, but, I mean, it's Madison Square Garden and the Knicks, and, I mean, that's why. But, you know, I would from a winning standpoint, I would certainly prefer Brooklyn. It's going to be wild that, like, like – if Durant ends up going to, like, I don't think this will necessarily happen. If Durant goes to Brooklyn, and then obviously Kawhi, I think, is going to end up in L.A. You're going to have the, the Clippers and the Nets kind of being the two teams in the two largest markets in the country. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right, which is which is crazy. Yeah, which is just, just kind of wild. Um, anything else happened of note this weekend? It was kind of uh, a quieter sports weekend. I can't... 1-2 at Mississippi State. I, so, guess, I guess that. That's, they they've won every SEC series SEC series this year, which is insane. And that was one of those games was twenty one to nothing, right? Twenty, they they won twenty one to nothing, uh, in the, the first game on Friday. They proceeded to then not score for sixteen innings, fifteen innings, and then beat Mississippi State three to nothing in like nine innings on Saturday. Wow. So Ole Miss yeah. softball sits at eleven and six. They are one game behind LSU and second place, two games behind Alabama. Probably they're tough. To, host yeah, they're definitely going to host. Probably t- tough to make up enough ground to win the SEC. Yeah, but, I think they're getting they're getting really really close to being a national seed, and somebody having to come beat them at Oxford. 
to keep them out of the Women's College World Series. Mike Smith done a phenomenal job with that program. Um, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it's it's one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, he's it's interesting to kind of the way he he's kind of going because that was a really, I mean, it was a really, we I mean, call it what it is, it was an it was undesirable job. It was it was horrible. I mean, they they didn't have any talent. Nobody cared. Nobody went to the games. And if you go to a game like on a Saturday now, there are two thousand people there. Yeah, and like I remember, I I I wrote something on him when they when they first started, kind of started. I guess like I guess when he first took the job, and he was telling me he had people in the coaching industry being like, "Don't take it; it's a dead end career ender." And he was like, "That kind of one made me want to take it more." But that's uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to see him kind of build that thing from the ground up. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a phrase for him. It's the ground up because it was certainly on the ground when he took over. I guess in fifteen. Yeah, and so I, I mean, it's it's a cool story. So really, softball and women's golf have, have kind of dominated the news cycle this weekend. Really, from an Ole Miss perspective, and 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 obviously very deserving. I mean, the the golf team is interesting because they really are. I mean, it's a it's a couple. I mean, it's a couple sophomores, a couple freshmen, and a senior, I believe. And you know, Connor Beth Ball, Julia Johnson, Macy Samoski, like they're 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 going to be there for a couple years to come, and and. They seem to be kind of growing into really elite level college players. I, I need you to help me with something here. Uh, Dominic Olenichek announced on Twitter the other day that he has announced his two finalists, and Florida State has offered him a scholarship. Explain to me how Florida State offers him a scholarship. So I actually missed that. That's that's something. Florida State and Charlotte are his final two options. I have no clue how Florida State has offered that man a scholarship. Um. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> like I was just trying to search for some reasoning. Is that like the equivalent of like left-handed and breathing? As far as like uh, you know, the lefty that you put in your bullpen is seven foot and breathing kind of a thing. Not really with the way basketball is being played now, though. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I guess I understand why the Charlotte Forty ers are in on him, but uh, <laughs> FSU not. Not not sure. I actually thought Dom might end up going and playing overseas professionally. Um, I'm a little surprised that he's kind of narrowed it down to another school. I didn't actually think he would go. I didn't think he'd end up being on another college campus. I thought he would go play professionally. Yeah, I did too. That was kind of the thought, you know, earlier in the year when was when you know if if he left Ole Miss, it was going to be to go pro. Um, and well, it kind of looks like he's going to remain as a college basketball player. Hell, if he goes to Florida State, he's going to play in the NCAA tournament again. Yeah, so good luck to him. Obviously, it wasn't really – it was just kind of an odd fit at Ole Miss. It makes sense kind of why they went their separate ways. But that should do it today. I think I don't really have anything else to you. That was about all I had today as far as – Well, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. Ole Miss, between now and then, will have played a baseball game in Pearl. We'll have coverage at supertalk.fm. Um, I'll be down there. We'll be back at it Wednesday. But for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We appreciate you listening to the Rebel Report. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.